1: Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman.
2: Good. I'm the guy with the gun.
3: Good afternoon and welcome to the Firing Mind Radio Show. My name is Rick Travis and I'll be your guest host on this fine Saturday. And today we have a very special guest with us, Chuck Michelle, the famous Second Amendment attorney, will be here to talk to you about something new and dear to all of our hearts known as CCWs. And we're going to talk about how those lay out here in the Golden State of California the Southwest, and across the nation. Chuck, you know, 10 years ago, when you and I had a conversation about CCWs, there was a finite amount of those throughout the state of California, as an example. Yet today, decade later, we have more CCWs than we did then, yet we're in a more hostile environment. Considering everything the anti-gun lobby has done, especially recently, what do you attribute the rise in CCWs Within our community, you
4: well, know, that, that's a really good question. You know, there were so many factors that went into it. Obviously, the most recent one was the Bruin decision out of the United States Supreme Court that said you couldn't require some kind of a special need. The, the government couldn't require you to prove some kind of a special need in order to get a license. But uh, and that's made it a, a huge difference. But it goes back a lot further than that. It goes back to uh, CRPA developing relationships with sheriffs. CRPA, educating those sheriffs, uh, at least the sheriffs that would listen. And a lot of them did, especially in the red counties. Uh, And and you deserve a hat tip for a lot of this, Rick. Uh, Getting those sheriffs on board with issuing uh, licenses and recognizing that it wasn't really a problem. I think maybe Orange County was probably a big breakthrough with Sandra Hutchins, first with Sheriff Corona and then with Sandra Hutchins. Uh, but then we had the Peruta case, which was another CRPA case challenging shall issue in San Diego County, or excuse me, challenging basically no issue right. uh, in San Diego County. And we got a good ruling out of a three district, uh, three judge court uh, in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that was very persuasive. Now, that was ultimately overturned, as many of the pro-Second Amendment decisions that came out of the Ninth Circuit were by the on banc panel. But it was persuasive enough that a lot of sheriffs read that and realized they think along the same lines that the judge who wrote that decision thinks. You know, he's a conservative jurist and they're conservative thinking sheriffs. And so they said, you know, let's issue more permits. So the the, the number of permits has been drastically rising for, what, 10 years now?
3: Right. You know, one of the things that I, I think about, especially in light of the, the fiasco in Los Angeles with the uh, city council members right now, which I'm at face va- yeah, which at face value can look like it's separate from what we're talking about, but when you think about Kevin De León, who had been the speaker pro tem, had one of the most powerful positions in the state of California, has always ran on the rhetoric of he's there for people of color, he's there for the low income families. Yet, if you look at the laws that are attempted, I see all the time in Sacramento, you do in the courtrooms, many of those are not based on equal opportunity to self-defense. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's designed to price people out and make it so difficult that they can't defend themselves. I mean, why would they do that to the people they want to vote for them?
4: Well, because they, they're... They don't want to empower. They don't truly want to empower those people. They want to fool those people into thinking they have power, or they want to just give them free stuff so that they're devoted to voting for a particular party because of uh, their uh, uh, dependence on government handouts. Uh, But really, they're all about big government. They don't want. They they believe the government can solve the, uh, the the world's problems, and they don't. Despite how inefficient and I mean, there's no, (laughs) there's no level of competence or or efficiency or productivity at any government level, uh, but they don't care because it's about power for them, and they want to tell us how to live our
3: lives. You know, I I think it's important that everybody understands too that California we have, um, we've used the term conservative, and we're we're being that way because Second Amendment doesn't belong to a political party, and we have people that have various party names but are conservative and believe in the constitution and fight. And I think that's important to realize because a lot of that fight comes down to, um, as you said earlier, our sheriffs. They're the like last line to hold the constitution up against the correct, uh, corrupt government. I would argue in many respects, we saw that throughout the uh, pandemic. And I think that's one of the other things that has led to CCWs. I think during the pandemic, People had a pause and they actually got to see how inefficient government was at protecting themselves, given the riots, the Antifa movement and everything else. Do you have any comment on that or.
4: Well, I, I, you know. I don't know how we how we get it to the point where uh, people can actually be independent. Uh, CCWs go a long way. You know, if we can if we can normalize. CCW like it is in 42 states and so the people who don't know much about guns aren't afraid of the presence of a gun anymore because they see lots of good people carrying them um and normal and and make people understand that black rifles are not evil uh because people have them you know mm-hmm. so if we get that law struck down and um uh, You know, those are the things that I think we're we're going to empower people uh, with the knowledge they need to to see through the other kind of stuff that you're talking about.
3: Yeah, I think it's important that we, we start looking at where we're headed, because I go to Arizona to go hunting, as you know, and it's like when I go over there to my friend's property, I'm always taken back by how many people are caring openly. How many people, I mean, it's like you have to look for someone not exercising their Second Amendment right. And yet, it's an artificial line on the planet that you cross. That you go from this culture where, yeah, to a culture where it's strict. Uh, mother, may
4: I? When I when I cross the line from California to Nevada, I I, I I literally feel like a weight is lifted off my shoulders as I cross that state line because I feel the political, you know, oppression. Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 taken off, even though Nevada is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But California is just circling the drain in so many different ways out here. Uh, They're just being bailed out by tech. Otherwise, we'd be in a lot worse shape than we are. But uh, the vision for the world, their vision for the Gavin Newsom's vision for the world is just big government, uh, uh, you know, his way. Uh, uh, censor any kind of alternative viewpoints. Anybody who uh, dares to think like a like a conservative or a libertarian, uh, you don't get a platform in his world.
3: Yeah, I think that's important, though, for people around the country listening to the to you and I talk this morning. Is we have seen California go from a very free, very um, you know constitutional believing state to not being one. And I think if we were to talk to people, you know, three decades ago, they would have said it would never happen in California, and yet it has. And that's my fear for a lot of these other states that have relatively solid constitutional rights, that it doesn't take a lot to move that needle in a negative situation. And it's one of the reasons why they need to watch what's going on in California so they have the opposition playbook and understand how it rolls out. And I want to talk about that because it seems like New York in California, since the Bruin case, are the two uh, resistant states that are trying to tell the, the, the Supreme Court, in my mind, that they're invalid. They have no rights.
4: Well, New York has certainly been the most vocal because they actually passed a law. You know, the bureaucrat's response to the Supreme Court declaration that you have a right to carry and get a license to carry in public without proving some kind of special need, in other words, the right to bear arms is a right, not a privilege. Uh, their response was, let's do everything we can to make it practically impossible to, to get a permit still, but by other uh, obstacles. And then if you even if you get one, like let's make it effectively useless. So they try to throw up all these obstacles, like redefining what good moral character is, making you prove that you're not a bad guy, basically. Mm-hmm. But saying that, you know, there's such a low bar for being a bad guy. You know, if you ever took a mulligan on the golf course, you're a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so those kinds of things, those kinds of games, and then designating as much of the city as possible and much of the state as possible as a sensitive place so your permit's no good. Uh, New York passed that, and it was immediately sued, and there's a t- TRO in place right now stopping them from enforcing it. There's a very heated contest going on in the Second Circuit right now over whether or not that TRO should stay in place. The state is obviously going crazy uh, with facing this lo- devastating loss for them, where they might actually have to accept reality and issue permits. Uh and so we'll see, they're coming up with some creative legal arguments to uh to the, the state is to try and strike this down. Meanwhile, though, in uh California. We almost had uh, a bill out here, SB nineteen nine eighteen, excuse me. And you're the one who's better able to tell that story about how that got stopped. But since it has been stopped, it would have basically done the same thing as New York. Um, since it has been stopped, uh, we're now now we've started the CRPA uh, CCW reckoning campaign for pushing local cities to issue uh, now that they have
3: to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, and I'm going to talk about nine eighteen a little bit in the next segment, but I think it's really important for everybody to realize that, you know, when you look at Justice Thomas, Justice Thomas, um, in many ways, in my mind, I know it's inappropriate to say this is like the chief justice, because he just has that gravitas to come out and say, and this is, I know what you idiots are going to do to try to oppose this. And he very clearly... It's one of the most detailed legal documents in that opinion of thou shall not do the following, which it seemed like states like New York and California took in and said, watch us do exactly what you told us not to. And I I really wanna highlight the arrogance of those two governors, both New York's governor and California's governor, especially given that Newsom thinks he wants to be president now, Of just how threatening this is to everybody else across the country. Because this is a person that says, I want to lead the country, but I don't want to recognize one whole branch of the country because I'm above it. So um, we're going to explore that and look at some other things when we come back to you here on Fine Line Radio.
5: Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice, no sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending LLC and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just needed extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash-out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS
1: ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC, is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act.
0: AM590, the answer. This portion
1: of the Firing Line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside.
2: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this?
5: This is my boomstick!
2: That's right, folks, of Boomstick Radio. This is Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show, and as you know, each week on the Firing Line Radio Show, the conversation revolves around firearms, hunting, and Second Amendment issues. But one of the show's stalwart supporters has always been Vince Torres over at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Vince and his team of experts are second to none in their knowledge and passion for all that this show stands for. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, stop in at Bullseye Sport for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. Bullseye Sports stocks all all All-name brands like Beretta, Ruger, Glock, Winchester, and many more. If they don't have it, they'll get it. They welcome all levels of shooting enthusiasts, especially ladies, considering firearms for the first time. Bullseye Sports is the best selection of prices every day. Stop in, mention you heard me, Philip Naiman, on AM590's Firing Line Radio Show, and talk about Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Near the corner of Brockton and San Simeon Way, hit the bullseye, go see Vince. You know, I, I really do appreciate his support because he makes this radio show happen. And folks, you want to be involved, go see Vince. He'll give you a great deal. Tell him you heard it on the show, and uh, then I'll get a great deal.
3: Welcome back to Fine Line Radio. My name is Rick Travis. I'm the legislative director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. And today with me as our guest is Chuck Michelle, the famed Second Amendment attorney. And we're discussing CCWs, both in California and across the nation, what's going on in the both legal and political landscape. Chuck, we were we're just getting into um, this whole idea of what happened in 918 in New York in response to the Bruin case. And I think a lot of people kind of understand, but kind of don't when I talk to them, including in the Capitol, which is scary, of what a special prohibited place is.
4: Or, or a, se- a sensitive place. Right. So the the, the state can designate certain areas, uh, which would typically be like a courthouse, you know, where there's likely to be some kind of conflict brewing and tempers flying and that kind of stuff. Uh, they can designate certain areas as sensitive places where there's basically gun-free zones, mm-hmm. even if you have the CCW. Uh, but so the fight now, though, is it's just how many places can you, what's the criteria for making a place sensitive where it can be gun free and, and the New York state or New York city in New York state and California uh, want to designate, you know, basically justice Thomas made fun of them because he said, you guys are going to try and designate the entire Island of Manhattan as a sensitive place so that you can't get a, a permit that's any good there. And so the fight is, where are those now, where are those lines going to be drawn? What can uh, what can be a sensitive place and what isn't? And thankfully, we avoided most of that fight because you, as the CRPA lobbyist up in Sacramento and Sam Paredes was up there from GOC, Gun Owners of California, uh, stay until two o'clock in the morning, twisting arms to not vote for that bill that would have just made so many different places sensitive places that you, you couldn't have gone some, from one side of the town to another with your CCW without passing through some zone that would have been where your CCW would have been invalid. Well, you guys stopped that by one vote. My hat's off to you for that. Thanks. Uh, but so now we're, well, now we've sued Glendale uh, to, to, to get some precedent. We need legal precedent that says what is not and is not a sensitive place and kind of defines that term a little more. Uh, so Glendale has banned CCWs in any publicly accessible or public-owned property. So all these parking lots and parks and places where there's no reason for a CCW to be invalidated. Uh, it's not just government buildings. Uh, they 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 went overboard and they did that because they wanted to ban the gun show from the community center, which had been there for years without incident. But you know, it was part of the early morning, early stages of the cancel culture. Uh, and so they went overboard and just banned guns from so many different places. So now we're making them, now it's payback time. Uh, and so we've sued them in federal court and to, to to uh, knock that ordinance out and, and establish a legal precedent in the process on what is and isn't allowable constitutionally as a sensitive place. You
3: know, one of the things that um, when you brought up 918, yeah, that bill was just so huge. I remember it had over, at one point, just a day, they've had 160 amendments to it. And I was like, wow, that's not normal <laughs> so going through it. And one of the ones that struck me, because I have a couple of friends, um, one in Orange and one in L.A. County, that they live on their boats. <sighs> and it was like, had that went through as written overnight, you know, I understood why there were some areas in a, like a LA harbor, a San Diego harbor, that could be a sensitive area. Just like at an airport, there's a couple of areas I, I get it. But it literally meant that overnight they would go from being law abiding, CCW carrying citizens in their home called their boat. And all of a sudden, their home, they couldn't have a gun. Right. And I don't think a lot of people in the general public realize what kind of gross overreach that you go from. One night, especially when this uh, had a a urgency clause, which meant the moment the governor signed it became law, to without notice being a criminal. And I think that's a part of this battle of just how egregious it is that they do not care as politicians who they turn into criminals when they're they're releasing criminals that have done heinous crimes to their fellow citizens out of jail overnight while trying to make the law abiding into them.
4: Oh, God, yeah. The danger level is up. The risk level, you know, it used to be like if you were in certain high-risk groups, like a prosecutor that the bad guys wanted to get revenge on or maybe a, a, a LGBT... Uh, um, activist. Uh, yeah, where, you know, you're subject to hate crimes or, or you know, whatever. You're in a high-risk group. Maybe you're a banker who carries a lot of money. Uh, those people were recognized as maybe... Uh, uh, having a justification, but now we're all in a high risk group because the the no bail pr- program and the soft on crime and the uh, don't put them in jail, you know, uh, and not to mention whatever's coming across the border that's not getting vetted. Uh, there's a whole bunch of emboldened criminals out there who uh, are, are getting not just you know doing property crimes, but they're being violent randomly, randomly. So you know the, the we're all at at risk now and we all need to be able to exercise to choose to exercise our right to defend ourselves.
3: Yeah, I think you know, it's important. it's important when I say this I say this as a father of a law enforcement officer of just how sad it is to see he is handcuffed in executing his job more than the people he needs to handcuff. And that is just yeah. yep. It's very tough for the the, the men and women that um where the blue line and and out there to defend ourselves right now let's and speaking of that blue line, let's go to the sheriff's. The sheriff's is as we both know, were integral to helping us defeat nine eighteen in this state um but the sheriffs are becoming big in New York, and I want to highlight this because ballots have dropped, people are starting to vote for the November election across the country. Sheriffs are up for election, and I want to make sure people realize you know that is not a job that you look at like a judge or a water board member or even a school board member and don't pay a lot of attention to it. That is one of those jobs on the ballot you should be paying a lot of attention to because as we see in the state of New York, there is a group of sheriffs who are saying, uh, yeah, we're not going to enforce that. Not going to do it. It violates the constitution. And we saw sheriffs in this state, several things that were attempted by the governor, them standing in line, literally at the county line and saying, no. If you bring your state officers in, we're going to arrest them, we're going to block them, just holding the line for people. I think we need to make sure people understand, knowing who your sheriff is, supporting them, voting for them, um, you know, as long as they're backing the the Constitution is vital to keeping our Second Amendment and our CCW rights flourishing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting how and this was kind of what was happening when the Peruta case came down. The sheriffs stand on their own and start making up their own mind, and they don't follow uh, the political uh, winds. That's why you're seeing those New York sheriffs say, we're not going to really enforce these these new gun laws. And California sheriffs giving out more and more CCWs because they you know they're on the front lines. They see how these liberal policies don't work and, in fact, make things worse. So uh yeah, they're but they are absolutely the frontliners for us.
3: You know, and one of the things I want to compliment you on leading um, CRPA in this is that throughout the country, you have to realize you have to hold these politicians, including sheriffs, accountable. And one of the things that I think you've done great as the president um uh CRPA, and I want to highlight that you Incredibly, despite everything else you do in your life, volunteer that time. Um, it's it's an absolute ministry of what you do. But one of the things that you have brought to the forward part of this debate is sending out pre-litigation letters to sheriff's offices, saying, "Hey, just letting you know, this is what the Bruin decision says." Well, you can probably explain it better than I could, but it's like it's like a, a nice firm but workable warning shot of what can happen. Yeah, this
4: is the CRPA's CCW reckoning campaign, where we're, we, we've sent out a summary of the law to put them all on notice of what they can and cannot do, not just the sheriffs, all the cities too. And there's a couple different versions, some that are sterner than others, and depending on whether you're San Francisco or, 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 or a more friendly county. Uh, you get a different version of the letter that says, uh, you know, shape up and fly light, right, or we're going to sue you.
3: Yeah, and I think one of the things that um, the public needs to know too is there is a process that I've got to know more intimately over the past few years working with various sheriff's offices of saying up that unit. And there's amazing ways that politicians mess with the sheriff, like cutting their budget by 30%. The irony is. When you cut a law enforcement budget, the first two things that go are training and CCWs.
2: Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW safe on your side. you defend your life, CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM
0: 590,
1: the answer. This portion of The Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe, by Philip Neyman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management.
4: Spartans, lay down your weapons!
3: Get them! Welcome back to Fireline Radio. This is Rick Travis, the legislative director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association, and I'm with Chuck Michelle, famed Second Amendment attorney, and we're discussing CCW's elections, and we've just been talking about sheriffs and holding politicians accountable so that they move in the right direction. One of the things I was saying, Chuck, is it's amazing to me how many things uh, sheriffs have to overcome in order to have a CCW unit, get it going. Some are hamstringed by their uh, board of supervisors when a machine breaks down of like, well, you have to wait till next year, which doesn't work for timely you know, use. And how sheriff's offices are actually coming together to support each other in different ways to make it happen. So sometimes when there's a glitch in the system, um, our community needs to highlight that, send it to CRPA. But it's also across the country, we start to need to get other groups like the New York Rifle Pistol Association. I know it. I think Arizona does it, but some of the others, they need to step up and start holding these sheriffs accountable and making sure they are issuing as much. Cause we had a couple of sheriffs' offices uh that didn't issue that many. And one would be Riverside County. We had a sheriff that had a good rhetorical speech about Second Amendment, had a lot of people convinced he was doing a lot. Um then we got Chad Bianco out there in Riverside into that position. And Wow, CCW has exploded, which demonstrated the other person was, to a degree, stonewalling, slowing down, not getting things done.
4: Yeah, that previous sheriff wasn't, wasn't against us. He wasn't hostile to us, but he was lethargic, to put it nicely. Uh, and, and that's part of what the, CC, the CRPA's CCW reckoning campaign is all about. A lot of these jurisdictions are trying to slow roll the game. They're all hoping nine eighteen will come back they slow rolled it initially because they thought nine eighteen was a no brainer to pass. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and now they're trying to, you know, some of them won't issue applications. Some of them aren't processing applications. Some of them are taking six months or so to process an application. So, an application. so now, you know, we're just looking for the best jurisdiction to sue, uh, because we have to make them stand up and pay attention to the law. The law says it's supposed to take 90 days to process an application. And if DOJ drags its feet on a background check, which sometimes it does, the DOJ needs to be held to answer. To, you, know, you don't get to say, oh, we don't have enough staff. If yeah. you don't have enough staff to administer a licensing program, then don't have the licensing program. But you do have enough staff or you, or you do have to allocate the resources to hire the staff to process these applications, that's the point we're making, and we'll be suing over that and at a certain point, the interesting thing is going to be when this law is, is well known enough to the law enforcement community, these folks can face some of these folks uh, uh, can face personal liability for not uh, for holding back these licenses. If this would be like if uh, uh, a, uh, somebody wanted to have a protest you know, and they couldn't get a permit to hold a parade or something. Uh, The law is settled on that. You you can't, you can do time, place, and manner restrictions. You can say you can't have a parade down the middle of the highway, but you can't say you can't have a permit to have a parade. And so if if you hold that kind of thing back, especially if you hold it back for political reasons, you can be personally liable. And that's what we're trying to get to, educate them all to the point where, they face personal liability because that's a game changer. As soon as these guys aren't defended by taxpayer dollars and their own pockets at risk, then they, start, then they start doing things how they're supposed to be done.
3: Which comes back to the idea that this is a grassroots movement. And you know, I know that we, the CRPA is involved in a letter writing campaign, and I want to kind of open that up and let's start talking about the purpose of that campaign.
4: Uh, yeah, that's the CCW Reckoning Project. It's to educate these folks and insist that they do what the law says. And that's not really just about CCW. It's about, uh, you know, sensitive places which they over designate. It's about uh, uh, pro- prohibiting uh, certain types of firearms or re- whether it's requiring lock storage, mandatory lock storage, even if you don't have any kids and it's not appropriate for your particular situation. All, all the we have, uh, uh, CRPA has had a local ordinance project going on for many years, local advocacy project, uh, that, that, that now the CRPA chapters are getting involved with. The, the chapter program is uh, is exploding and, uh, and packed with, uh, with uh, members now, all who have become activists. You know, the, the CRPA has this in their magazine, and it sounds a little slogany, but it's true. Volunteers are the CRPA's most powerful weapon. So the more volunteers, the more local activists we get, uh, the, the more influential we can be uh, for on behalf of California gun owners. And that's what it's all about. You want to have influence, whether it's social media influence or political influence or, or, or local presence influence. It's all about uh, having the ability to influence legislation, influence policy so that it doesn't infringe on our Second Amendment rights.
3: Yeah, I know on, on previous shows, Phil and I've talked about the importance of getting out of the couch and getting up and voting. One of the highlights of 918 that really incensed me. And I think a lot of us that work in the, in that space was the idea that places of worship were going to be required had 918 passed to place a sign outside that said either A, they were a gun free zone complying with the state or B, that they had moved against the state by saying you could carry firearms in, which we've seen that happen in the last century in Europe and didn't turn out so well for the entire population of that continent. And I think people need to start realizing whether you go to a place of worship, whether you go to some of these sensitive places isn't the point. The point is your rights to choose to or your family's rights or friends' rights are what's being impeded, and it's purely for political reasons, because I loved what you said earlier nothing bad's happened that would necessitate this. And I say it all the time in the Capitol, quit creating laws to solve problems that don't exist. And when that's what's going on, you have to look at where the money is coming from and what they're really trying to do. And what they're trying to do is control your freedom of speech, your freedom of religion, all those different things. And we've got to really jump down hard on that and get people to realize this is a fight for your own right to choose.
4: Yeah, it, 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 the Second Amendment is just the tip of the spear. There, there, there's an attack on all our rights across the board, uh, and the Second Amendment is the one that if they can knock that out, then they will have a lot easier time knocking out all the other rights.
3: Yeah, and that's why I tell people the Second Amendment is the bookend to the First Amendment rights. We lose the second, you lose the first. And that's an easy talking point for all of you out there that call in to fill and, and say, what's a good talking point? There's one for you right there. We have had the ballots drop. And this is a talking point to go out and start talking to your friends about getting those ballots turned in. Uh, we had over a million people who lean conservative not vote in the last election just in Southern California. Boy, got, boy. Yeah, and I got to speak with Ambassador Rick Grinnell, who does Fix California, who's going out there. There are literally, in some counties here in Southern California, been over 100,000 corrupt ballots. Um, they've done a lot to clean up that mess. But now is the time to tell people, hey, when you get those ballots, if you get an extra ballot in the mail, report it. Um, get ballots that don't belong to you, report it. But the ones that you do get that belong to you, get them in because now there's not an excuse for someone to say, well, I never got the ballot ballots are allegedly going to every citizen in this state.
4: And, and, and a lot states, more people, unfortunately, too, They're yeah. over but yes. Yeah. It's and, critical that everybody votes.
3: And we got to get you guys in there to vote and you got to start looking at everything. And I'm going to bring it up in this last few seconds. You know, I've watched in my own home city here in Orange County, um, be fairly defiant during the pandemic. And as a result, our city elections are now costing six times what they did just a couple of years ago to get elected. And it's because of all the outside money that's been poured in to topple the city government. So our opposition is trying to seize every single spot that they can. And that means all of us have to do everything we can by standing up in line, not just wearing t-shirts and say, you're the 3%, but be the 3%. We'll be back on Firing Line
2: Radio. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show, Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo, but the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask, kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, Ask stands for Attitude, skills and knowledge. And that's what they focus on at Ask Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low-light situations. Bring your mag light. So folks, check them out at askdefensive.com, A-S-K, defensive.com for a schedule of Classes. He's got a great store in there, too. So buy what you want. Train what you want. AskDefensive.com.
0: AM 590. The answer.
1: This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics.
4: Yes! Great hunter. Yes? Yes. Fine figure of a man. Yes? Yes? Yes. That is all you
0: need to know for now.
3: Welcome back to Fine Line Radio. I'm Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. And with me today is Chuck Michelle, the famous Second Amendment attorney who handles these cases nationwide. And Chuck, I'm going to bring it right into there as we finish this up on CCWs, elections, sheriffs, etc. When we aren't able to stop things, which happens in in any Capitol building as lobbyists, um, those often have to be immediately litigated. And people often are like, oh, so now that Chuck's filed the lawsuit, yay, we're all done. It's all taken care of. I have to tell them, no, this is the beginning of a multi-year journey. Um, And, (laughs) you know, for years, we were waiting for a case like Bruin to open up um, how cases would be viewed, um, under what kind of scrutiny they would be looked at. There was a lot of uh, prognostication done about that. But now we have four cases that CRP has been heavily involved in. You have led the way on. Uh, we have Duncan that dealt with the restrictions from Prop 63 um, as it came to standard capacity magazines, also misnomered as high capacity. Uh, Rhodey, which deals with the ammunition. And then we have two other wonderful cases, Flanagan and Rupp that deal with CCWs and assault weapons. Can you talk about where those are at in the pipeline?
4: Yeah, well, the, the trend has been, you know, the Supreme Court, when it issued the Bruin decision, it had four other cases, Second Amendment cases in front of it, uh, at, at waiting to, to decide if they were going to take them. And they, they did what's called a GVR, a grant, vacate, and remand. They granted review so that they had jurisdiction. They vacated the lower court's decision, wiping it out. Then remanded it back to, sent it back down to the Court of Appeals and said, Redecide this case now based on what we just told you in the Bruin decision, and that was uh, a, a, a couple of cases. In one case in Hawaii, our Duncan case in on the magazine challenge in California. A I think it was Maryland had a, uh, a black rifle challenge, and New Jersey had another uh, standard capacity magazine ban. So those were all remanded, and then there's been all this fighting about what to do with the cases that were in the Ninth Circuit. And what to do with the cases that were sent down, either sent down from the Supreme Court or had moved up from the lower court. And all these cases were sitting there. Basically, they've sent them all back down to the district court. And this, frankly, is pretty clearly you you can see through this pretty easily. It's it's an attempt to stall, to delay this because they don't want to have to come to terms. They don't want there to be a reckoning uh, with all these lawsuits. But CRPA has been involved. Filing Second Amendment lawsuits, and before Bruin, uh, even before Heller, uh, we were filing uh, lawsuits challenging California's gun laws. So we've been in this game a lot longer than any anybody else. Uh, and now we've got a dozen, not just those four, uh, that are uh, back in the district court and have to be litigated there, and then work their way up through the court of appeals again. But uh, the the interesting part about all that is that the, the way the Courts are wrestling with what the appropriate test should be when you're scrutinizing, when a judge is scrutinizing a gun law, how is he supposed to analyze that? And before, the Ninth Circuit was had just set up a rigged game that you could basically never win. And now the state is panicking because the burden is, is where it's supposed to be, which is on them to prove a, a gun law's constitutionality rather than on a plaintiff like CRPA to prove it's not constitutional.
3: So let's take the Duncan case because it's it's a very popular case and in, in the conversation. So Duncan's been sent down back to its, its court. So the question that I get often asked, um, including in the Capitol by some of the staffers is okay, so you know, Judge Benita says the same thing you said round one. Yep, you can have them. What can the state do to stop that? Is it we're back to another five, six years of lawsuits?
4: Well, potentially. I mean, they'll, they'll still be able to appeal again. They can appeal it up to the Ninth Circuit again. Um, and, and part of their appeal will not be necessarily on whether or not uh, standard capacity magazines pass the constitutional test. Part of the appeal may be what is the appropriate constitutional test, because the state is now trying to argue that they should be able to bring in experts and turn this into a big fact-finding exercise uh, where they can drag things out for years with what's called discovery, where you're doing reciprocal uh, investigations into what the situation. And they want to bring in these experts that can testify that this uh, 17th century mousetrap law is uh, is historically analogous to a a large-cap mag band. Now, I mean, they're, they're going to be stretching. We had junk science before. Now we've got junk history. Yeah. You know? So this is what we're going to have to deal with. But we're we're pushing the Duncan case, the Rohde case against the ammunition background checks. Those are both down in San Diego again in front of Judge Benitez. And we're pushing ROOP, which is the Black Rifle Band, uh, and, and Flanagan because we need to get a judgment. You know, the state voluntarily is not enforcing the good cause requirement in the CCW law, but it's still in the penal code. They haven't right. repealed that. We need a judgment that said it's invalid, not just a voluntary secession of enforcement. So we're pushing that so that we can uh, make the, 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 the state live with uh, that decision. Not just right now, they could just change their mind and start enforcing good cause again.
3: Right.
4: So, but, but we have other cases, challenges to taxes, Challenges to Glendale now with the sensitive place designation, uh, uh, uh dross fees, dross delays, uh, CCW delays are going to be the next one. Uh, but we've CRPA always has dozens of cases going on, and they're always listed in the magazine every month. And people, uh, uh really need to, to understand and appreciate how much they're doing, not to mention the chapters. I mean, CRPA is really it's kind of amazing how. You and the other members of the CRPA staff have have come together to grow that organization into such a a, a much much better uh, advocacy association and shooting sports and all the other things that go along with it. It's not just litigation. It's you know getting kids into the program and getting women out there at the ranges shooting and having fun and recreational and competitive shooting. Uh, no no other group does it all like that.
3: One of the things that I, I do want to bring up to people is you are empowered to get involved. We need you to get involved. Uh, Chuck brought several things up, whether it's at a local chapter, finding the community that the state and nuisance trying to destroy, making it stronger, bringing your neighbors into it, having those discussions. Those are all key to, to growing our movement. But it's not just growing our movement. This is a movement that has over 9 million people own firearms in this state. We just need to connect. And CRPA is offering those vehicles to be able to make those connections. And uh, whether it's you come once a year or you come once a month, that's up to you. But we really need you to connect with everybody so you can know what's going on in your neighborhoods and your general community. Um, Going back to some of those court cases, though, I really want to point out to everybody in the legislature, there are things being attempted across the country. We have uh, Initiative 17 in Oregon, which is trying to get a license for you to buy anything that you want. Folks, if you're listening in another state and you're like, thank God I'm not in California, it is not a joke of what happens here goes across the country. It's a reality. And we need you to connect. As Chuck said, we're doing a lot here in the Western United States to connect to various groups, to make that happen, um, to give them the playbooks, to give them the information. But also understand, Californians didn't come up with this against ourselves. We've had groups from the Giffords, the Brady's campaign, everybody else come from across the country, and they literally show up at city council meetings and hand people pre-cut packages to go against you, the law-abiding gun owner. This is an external fight that has been brought internally into our state. If you can do it to a state that's the size of California with the population of California, any other state is vulnerable. So don't lie to yourselves. Get connected locally. Get connected with CRPA and learn, because you're going to have to defend yourself. Chuck, in these closing moments, um, I am going to bring up, we don't just fight, like you said, litigation legislation. We're constantly fighting to open up ranges, open up all sorts of different venues and ideas. And I really want to encourage people, reach out to our grassroots department, our training department at CRPA. Because they are going to look for ways to help you open these new ideas to bring people together. And uh, one of my favorite friends uh, I love to hang out with, Jeff Tavern, um, who's also known as HUD and the SAS unit. You know, we can all tell you at a small little backwoods range in uh, Orange County, one of the largest shooting sports was developed just a few decades ago. So, what may seem like a, a crazy idea, which at a time I think everybody thought, Dressing up like the Lone Ranger and shooting at the range is pretty crazy. And it's become one of the biggest sports in the, in the world, on the globe. And it started here in California, obviously one of the most anti 2 A states on the planet. So, folks, keep the faith, keep the hope, and uh, keep in touch with all of us here at Firing Line Radio. And thanks to Phil Nayman and all of his sponsors for allowing us to put out this information. Shoot,
2: Felipe! Shoot! <laughs> When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk.
1: The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. CCW Safe. Cutting-edge Bullets. Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And by Philip Neyman and
5: Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Bullseye Sport in Riverside Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show Saturdays at 1pm on AM 590 Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211 951-823-0211 AM 590
0: The Answer